This dessert is a staple for the holidays in the American South. Its filling comes from trees which grow all along America's southeast coast. This pie will contain almost 80 of this mighty nut and in one ounce provides 10% of your daily fiber intake, with the U.S. providing over 80% of the world's supply. With the help of a sweet, sticky syrup, this dessert has become synonymous with Christmas in many households. We're exploring the history and origins of pecan pie. Welcome to another Serving of Seasons Eatings, the podcast which explores the history and origins of your favorite Christmas foods. Seasons Eatings can be found wherever you download your favorite podcast. Seasons Eatings is also found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you love the show, then I humbly ask you to share this podcast with someone you think would love to hear more about the history of Christmas and the foods which shape the holiday we love so much. If you want to give me suggestions for future episodes, just email me at seasonseatingspodcast at gmail.com. All the links for the show can be found in the show notes at seasonseatingspodcast.com. Though pecan pie graces almost every Texan table at the holidays, some people have never had the chance to try this blissful dessert. In many areas of the country where pecans do not naturally grow, these nuts are some of the most expensive to purchase. And it's cheaper and easier to make other holiday favorites, such as pumpkin or apple pie in those areas. It's a proven tradition that Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner just isn't complete without a pecan pie. And at a southern holiday meal, there's really nothing better than showcasing the classics. This pecan pie recipe is a true classic. Simple, reliable, and darn good. You can appreciate pecan pies infused with bourbon, filled with chocolate, or drizzled with caramel. And you can find pecan pie bars and bites incredibly tasty forms of the dessert too. But if you're a committed traditionalist, a classic pecan pie recipe is the way to go. Pecans, with their rich buttery taste and crisp crunchy texture, not to mention their heart-healthy nutritional benefits, have become firmly embedded in American heritage and culinary traditions. The nut's storied past is a nutrient-rich food source, and ultimately a dietary staple begins with Native American tribes, who for centuries lived among or traveled through the forested lowlands along the Mississippi River, and its tributaries where the pecan tree grew wild. This vast native pecan-growing region extended from Illinois down to the Gulf Coast and into eastern Texas and Mexico. A member of the hickory family and closely related to the walnut, pecans have the unique distinction of being the only major tree nut indigenous to North America, and have not been found to grow naturally anywhere else in the world. The stately trees that produce them, which can grow to over 100 feet tall and live to be over a thousand years old, 
first took root in the wild along these rich, fertile riverbanks throughout the south-central region of the United States more than a hundred million years ago. Native Americans have been eating pecans foraged from native wild trees in the fall months for several millennia before the arrival of Europeans in the 16th century. The name pecan stems from pecan, a Native American word was coined by the Algonquins, which roughly translated into English means nuts requiring a stone to crack. And crack them they did utilizing the nut meat in all sorts of culinary preparations. They pressed them to get oils for seasoning, ground them into meal to thicken stews, cooked them with beans, corn, and squashes, and roasted them for long hunting trips to sustain them when food along the journey became scarce. Another such preparation, notes historian Frederick Rosengarten Jr., author of the Book of Edible Nuts, was Paukohikara, or hickory milk, in which pecan kernels were pounded into small pieces, cast in boiling water, strained and stirred. This rich nutty concoction would then be added to broth to thicken it, and to corn cakes and hominy as seasoning. When fermented, paukohikara also became an intoxicating drink. Pecans grew along areas watered by the Mississippi River, spreading a bit to the east into Alabama. Following the Civil War, commercial developers brought in a few varieties of pecans to grow in Georgia. The state is now the main commercial grower of pecans in the U.S. Their early attempts at pecan tree cultivation in Texas and Louisiana, whether from seedlings or nuts from a favored wild tree, yielded unpredictable results, since seedlings never produce an exact copy of the parent tree. This inconsistency in tree cultivation limited the trade in pecans until the mid-19th century, when the development of successful pecan cultivars through budding or grafting changed all that, notes Edgar Rose in his summary entry on pecans in the Oxford Companion to American Food and Drink. The first pecan tree grafts to bear fruit were achieved in Louisiana in the mid-1840s, by an enslaved gardener named Antoine, who tended the gardens at the J.J. Roman Oak Alley Plantation on the Mississippi River, west of New Orleans. Antoine's consummate skills at grafting led to the successful cultivation of some 126 trees on the sugarcane plantation. What is more, Antoine's cultivars produced a variety of pecan with a shell so thin it could be cracked with one bare hands, making the nut meat inside easy to extract. The variety was dubbed the paper shell pecan and later on was named the Centennial Variety when it was entered in a competition at the 1876 Centennial Exposition in Philadelphia, where it won the prize. Louisiana plantations in the Mississippi Delta continued to be hot spots of domesticated pecan tree cultivation, with the next horticultural breakthrough coming at the hands of Emile Bourgeois, starting in 1877 on the Rapidon Plantation in St. James Parish. His efforts resulted in wide acceptance of pecan tree cultivars, achieved through selective grafting and laid the foundation of modern pecan tree orchards. At the end of the 19th century, Edgar Rose notes, 
Tree nurseries use bourgeoises' techniques to develop cultivars that combine good taste, large kernel size, a high yield, and resistance to insects, diseases, and adverse climatic conditions. These techniques also enabled the simultaneous maturing of all the nuts on the tree, which was of great importance for economical harvesting. It was these breakthroughs in tree cultivation that triggered the startup of vast commercial pecan orchards in Georgia and Texas, comprised of both grafted cultivars and native trees. Once people had pecans, they started using them for baking, Rose says. The earliest printed pecan recipes began popping up in Texas cookbooks in the 1870s and 80s. The first recipe that looked mostly closely resembles what we know today as pecan pie was published in 1898 in a church charity cookbook in St. Louis, but it was sent in by a Texas woman. One cup of sugar, one cup of sweet milk, half a cup of pecan kernels chopped fine, three eggs and a tablespoon of flour. When cooked, spread the well-beaten whites of two eggs on top, brown, sprinkle a few chopped kernels over, and these quantities will make one pie. These early Texas versions of pecan pie, which called for boiling the nuts in milk while preparing a rich, sweet pecan lace custard and then topping the pie with a brown egg-white meringue, are rather different from today's, but are thought to be a variation of a German Nusstorte, traditionally a walnut tart, brought to Texas by German settlers. It wouldn't be until the early 20th century that pecan pie would become the American classic we know now. The earliest reference I can find for what we consider to be a true pecan pie is from 1925, says Edgar Rose, citing as his source Tested Southern Recipes, a community recipe collection of the Missionary Society No. 2 of the West End Methodist Church in Nashville. He has 65 early references to pecan pie, all from American cookbooks. There are older recipes for pecan pie that I found as far back as 1921, but they were made with products we don't normally accept in a pecan pie, Rose says. Things like raisins and milk, which totally changed the character of the pie. As with any classic dish, near countless variations have emerged. Popular additions to the traditional pecan pie include bourbon, whiskey, shredded coconut, and chocolate. There were also pecan pie cheesecake hybrids, pecan hand pies, and, strangely enough, pseudo-healthy versions involving chia seeds. Molasses or brown sugar sometimes serve as a substitute for corn syrup, an ingredient that's gotten a bad rap for nutrition advocates in the recent years. And since the pecan pie is so simple, there are really no stark regional divides when it comes to method or ingredients. Sweetness, however, is a different story. Rose generally finds folks from the south of the Mason-Dixon line prefer their pies on the sweeter side, relaying an old southern baker's credo that a pie should be sweet enough so that the fillings in your teeth hurt. Pronunciation surveys have yielded as many as four variants of the pronunciation of pecan. Pecan, 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 and pecan. Rose has his own thoughts, though, taken from an experience at a restaurant in Georgia, where a waitress informed him, 
Over here, we don't call it pecan pie. To us, a pecan is something that long-distance truckers use when they don't want to make any stops. We call it pecan. Turns out, it really depends on where you're from. Joshua Katz, a doctoral student studying statistics at North Carolina State University, recently created an interactive dialect map using data from Bert Vau at the University of Cambridge. If you place the different pronunciations for the nut on a map, it shows that pecan is the dominant nationwide, but in areas of Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Mississippi, pecan reigns supreme. Pecan is popular in the East Coast and in New England, where folks from Wisconsin, northern Minnesota, and Michigan's Upper Peninsula go with pecan. We'll find out how pecan pie spread from the south to across the country after the break. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. do you like about Christmas? The music, the movies, the traditions, the food, the history, all of the above? Then the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is for you. Tune in every month to hear a marginally successful stand-up comedian dig into topics like Charlie Brown Christmas, Bing Crosby, Scrooge, A Christmas Carol, Jingle Bells, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, The Christmas Truce of World War One, Die Hard, Bethlehem, Gift of the Magi, Haunted Mansion Hollywood, Andy Williams, Christmas Lights, Nativity Scenes, Nat King Cole, Before Christmas, Toys R Us, Silent Night, Hell's Grinch, Christmas, She's going to take way too long to cover all the stuff we've talked about. Just join us at Can't Wait for Christmas Pod on the 25th of every month for the Can't Wait for Christmas Podcast, where our motto is, keep laughing all the way. What's up, dudes? I'm Jerry D of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, books, fashion, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, he's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80s and Christmas? Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooge, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas Special. Plus classics shown every year. You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas in Hollis. But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever, like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap Hap Happiest Memory, Gagging with the Spoon, The Other Half of the Battle, and Chant with the Littles. So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories. Later, dudes! Early 20th century recipes for pecan pie occasionally contain items such as milk and raisins. But once the caro syrup recipe spread across the country, the ingredients changed little, barring personal tweaks and individual preferences. The majority of pecan pie recipes published today 
are still based on the traditional caro syrup recipe. With the advent of corn syrup and a pecan surplus, the popularity of the pie spread across the country. Pecan harvesting begins in late September and extends to into November, making the timing just right to fuel pecan pie baking for the holidays. The pecan pie most abundant ingredient after the pecan is, not surprisingly, corn syrup. Corn syrup is a food syrup which is made from the starch of corn and contains varying amounts of sugars, glucose, maltose, and a few others. Corn syrup is used in foods to soften the texture, add volume, and prevent the crystallization of sugar, and to enhance the flavor. Historically, corn syrup was produced by combining corn starch with a dilute hydrochloric acid and then heating the mixture under pressure. The process was invented by the German chemist Gottlieb Kirchhoff in 1811. Two common commercial corn syrup products are light and dark corn syrup. Light corn syrup is corn syrup seasoned with vanilla flavor and salt, while dark corn syrup is a combination of corn syrup and refiner's syrup, caramel color and salt and flavor, and a preservative of sodium benzoate. But America's sweet spots for syrup only begin in the north. Indeed, it would seem things only get sweeter as we move south. In 1903, the Corn Products Refining Company of New York and Chicago introduced a sticky sweet syrup made from cornstarch, used as feedstock. And just like that, the engineered and controversial Carol syrup was born. The product raised eyebrows from the moment it was introduced as a natural and more stable product than table or cane sugar. It shipped both light and dark versions of its corn syrup and named the concoction after the wife of the chemist who created it, Caroline. Thus, Carol syrup was born. Prior to Carol's release, the American housewife had a jug that she carried with her to the grocery store. There, she would receive a refill from the barrels of sugar the grocer had. Caro changed all that in a convenient, disposable container. The product was well-received and marketed to the masses with a friction-top tin that allowed for easy access to the syrup. The syrup was often advertised in ladies' magazines as a spread for white bread. It was advertised as a sweet treat to be consumed at breakfast, lunch, or dinner. The ads were often full-page and full of 11 different recipes that kids would love and parents would value for nutrition. The president of the Corn Products Refining Company launched an ambitious ad campaign to bring national awareness to his syrup. The company published an edition of its Caro Syrup cookbook, which included 120 different recipes worth preparing. Technically classified as a sugar pie, the classic pecan pie recipe promulgated by the makers of Caro syrup uses a cup of the product in the mixture, along with eggs, sugar, butter, vanilla extract, and of course, pecans. Alternatives for Caro syrup include brown sugar and molasses, and some recipes add bourbon, rum, or whiskey to the mix. Pecan pie is always baked in a traditional pie crust versus a crumble crust or a cookie crust. Then, the company found a way to ensure its products would live forever. 
The wife of one of the sales executives was playing with the syrup in her kitchen when she figured out how to make a pecan pie. The use of caro syrup was so important to the recipe that Southerners still call it caro pie today. I must note that caro syrup does not contain any high fructose corn syrup as of this recording. High fructose corn syrup is corn syrup which has been chemically altered to have about 55% fructose and 45% glucose, which means it has little to no nutritional value as nowhere in nature is the fruit fructose so high per serving and glucose is essentially pre-digested sugar, the result of sucrose chemically broken down inside the body. Though pecan pie is now a well-loved dessert all across America, it was first introduced to many as Carol Prize Pie. The pie referred to as such not only on cans of Carol, but also in magazines and print ads all across the U.S. As a part of a major marketing campaign promoting it as a sugar substitute, because sugar shortages were rampant throughout the 1920s and 1930s. Being able to make a dessert without sugar was a major selling point. A treat for the eye, a thrill to the taste, and so easy to make was the dessert's famous tagline. The original recipe included a simple combination of caro syrup and pecans, along with eggs, sugar, butter, and vanilla extract baked in a pie shell. Since going from Carol Prize Pie to Pecan Pie, that recipe hasn't changed much and still remains a Southern American classic. It is such a classic that in 2013, a proposal from a freshman representative, Representative Marsha Farney, resulted in the Texas House of Representatives passing a resolution to make Pecan Pie the official state dessert. Though the debate surrounding the resolution was in jest, some suggested adding the pie cannot have chocolate or must be made with only Texas pecans. These additions did not make it to the final resolution. Since then, Texas has celebrated pecan pie as its official state dessert. It only makes sense because pecan trees grow throughout the Texan Hill Country and they bear fruit during the fall just in time for the winter holidays. So, no matter how you slice it, the pecan pie is a true classic to put the finishing touches on your holiday meal. Thank you for listening to this serving of Seasons Eatings. Seasons Eatings is available on all your favorite podcast players. Please, if you can leave a review about the show so we can spread the Christmas cheer. And if you let me know you've left a review, I'll send you a Seasons Eating sticker as a personal thank you. Also, I would love to hear from you. Please send me an email at seasonseatingspodcast at gmail.com. Tell me how you like the show, just a chat, or even give me suggestions for future episodes. And I know we all get busy, especially during the holidays. So sharing this podcast with someone you know who loves Christmas would be a big help. And if you're feeling extra generous this season, you can buy me an eggnog. Head on over to seasonseatingspodcast.com and click on the little cup in the corner. Each small donation helps with the daily running of the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Also, Seasons Eatings has great items for you or your loved ones for the holiday season. 
head on over to seasonsevenings.com, click on the merchandise tab to find your next great gift. I'm your host, Glenn Warren, and thank you for listening and tune in again for another serving of Seasons Eatings. Seasons Eatings is also part of the Christmas Podcast Network. Whatever interest you have with the holidays, there's probably a podcast out there covering that topic. You can find Seasons Eatings with all the other podcasts at christmaspodcasts.com. Drop on by to find your next podcast addiction. All music for Seasons Eatings is used under the Creative Commons license. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.